Google, would you like a free Jennifer Aniston with that iPhone? Yes, this week on Download This Show, why Apple is making their brand new streaming service with Oprah, Steven Spielberg, Reese Witherspoon, and yes, Jennifer Aniston, free in very specific circumstances. Plus, does a new phone really need four cameras? And forget The Bachelor, because uh, Facebook have now rolled out their very own dating service. Yeah, that's a thing now. Lord help us. This is your guide to the week in media, technology and culture. My name is Mark Fennell and welcome to Download This Show. Yes, indeed, it is a brand new episode of Download This Show. Very big welcome to audio producer extraordinaire. I feel like it just needed another thing. I like it. I'm happy to add extraordinaire to my title any day of the week. Hello. Olivia Rosenman, welcome back to Download This Show. Alongside Olivia, we have from Byteside, Seamus Byrne, welcome back. Thank you. Byteside is both a podcast and a newsletter. That's right. That sounds like an empire to me. Yeah, we're working on it. We're working on it. And with that, I shall now refer to you as media mogul, Seamus Byrne. (laughs) Thank you very much. Uh, All right. A lot of this show is going to be talking about the announcements that Apple made this week. There are announcements involving gaming. There are announcements involving a brand new iPhone. But I want to start with the television streaming service uh, that Apple is launching because we now know, A, how much it's going to cost, B, what's going to be on it, and C, when it launches in Australia. And I guess the surprising thing for me, Seamus, is that they're only going to launch with nine shows. I have more fingers than Apple, the most valuable company in the world, will be launching with. See, the trick here really is that Apple's not framing itself... You know, they haven't done that work like a lot of other people do where they just go, let's just buy the rights to a bunch of stuff that other people own and then we'll therefore say, look at all this content we have for you. They are only launching with shows that they are themselves producing. They have thrown more than a billion dollars at uh, you know, at the idea of producing their own new shows with like massive all-star casts. Um, they've got like epic post-apocalyptic kind of show um, starring Jason Momoa. I thought you were going to say a post-apocalyptic show with Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> 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 no, so you've got Jason Momoa show is like a world, a post-apocalyptic world where everyone is blind. Yep. There's also another show that sort of reimagines the space race if the Russians had got to the moon first. That one I think looks interesting. Yeah. And then of course there's what has been known, what will be known in the rest of the world is the morning show starring Reese Witherspoon and Steve Carell and Jennifer Aniston, but I believe in Australia it's going to be called Morning Wars. Um, okay, so, but like nine shows though, like that, yeah. there's a value proposition issue there, surely. Right, and that's where they've come up with the clever trick of saying if you buy any of their new hardware in coming months, uh, you will get a year subscription for free. That way they can, I guess, out of the gate go, look, we have X million people signing up on day one, which is literally because they gave lots, kind of like the free U2 album that they did a few years ago. <laughs> Maybe there'll be people who say, well, I didn't want your free TV service. Oh, it's like the story about how how Serial became such a big hit as a podcast because it was the same, it was released like within a week of them disaggregating the podcast app from iTunes and suddenly everyone's like, oh, there's this new app on my phone called Podcasts. Uh, and suddenly you had this whole millions of Apple users going, oh, what's a podcast? I, it was a tab on iTunes I'd never clicked on before. So they can command enormous power there. But Olivia, to me, this is a bit of a tip of the hat for why Apple is even interested in a streaming service. 
It's all about bolstering their hardware business. Yeah. I mean, I think it's in in some ways you could say it's a very Apple approach to kind of just focus on this sort of exclusive high production value content and not fill it up um, and try and be a sort of a catch-all service. You said one billion, uh, Seamus, but I, I read that I think that they've they've increased that to six they, billion yeah. dollars. Yeah, right. But over is, but we don't know over how long. That's the confusing part of that. Yeah, part. but that is comparable to what Netflix spends on all of their original uh, content yeah. as well. So they're definitely Definitely serious about this, and I think this little trick of giving free access for a year—you know—I mean, yeah, will will they hook people? I don't know. I watched the trailer for the morning show. It, I mean, I think—is it—is it? It's potentially the first sort of Me Too moment. TV show, and I, I did read an interesting article about it. And when I say it's the first Me Too moment. TV show, I mean, that that is really tackling this. Sort of rooted in that as a backdrop. Yeah. yeah and, and so just just for the listeners, it, it's a story of a, uh, a two morning TV hosts and, and, and the male one is fired for, you know, uh, the, con- the kind of conduct that has been everywhere in the past couple of years. And then, then there's this war uh, between, you know, the young upstart woman who is going to replace him. Um, yeah, Jennifer Aniston, now 50. And yeah, she seems, I've read this great article about how she's like, who knew she was still a thing, but she is. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Sorry, I feel like that's the bitchiest thing I've ever heard anyone say on this show. No, Including me and I'm an actual bitch. I just, I just haven't seen her for ages and there she is. And she, I yeah. mean, I don't know. I'm, You're telling me that Hollywood stars can look better for longer than the rest of us, I'm shocked. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'd give it a watch. The other thing that I'm I'm quite interested in is um, Oprah is back apparently on the new uh, suite of programs with some sort of program that is there's not. She's much bringing like, back the book club to yeah. Apple, yeah. Which I think, I mean, that's a, Oprah and Apple to me. As I could literally do a whole show about Oprah and Apple because to me the synergies make so much sense. Think about Apple's their electronic book business, all of that like her ability to command, you know, and commercial changes in the publishing business are famed. She could do incredible things for Apple, yeah. which is also kind of a holistic business as well. Yeah. And look, you know, they've said as well that pretty much like each month there'll probably be two new shows. Um, like, so it'll ramp up pretty quickly from that launch. And I mean, as much as, yeah, I was sort of joking about it earlier that there is that element, right? Where, you know, HBO, there's plenty of people who only subscribe to it because Game of Thrones existed. There, there are plenty of reasons why people will say, you know, you hear everyone talking about some cool new show, it'll give people that recent, well... I'll dive in for a month and just watch what I wanted to watch. And just forget to cancel my subscription and, oh, well, now I'm paying for it. Uh, It's only five bucks. This is why I still have a title subscription. (laughs) Um, That is an interesting point, though, because realistically, I think all of these streaming services, they are sort of built off this idea of at least one attention-grabbing show a month will make you sort of justify the amount of money that, you, that you're paying for it. And, and yeah, and, and look, most of these other services that we're now seeing launch, particularly in the US, are doing so in part because their media companies launching them with massive back catalogue. Disney, of course, being the major one, but we're also seeing Warner Media launching HBO Max, which is going to have the entire back catalogue of Warner Brothers, Friends and everything like that. Apple is probably quite unique in this sense, in the sense that it doesn't have a back catalogue, but what it does have is is actual money. Like remembering also that Netflix is, you know, they're spending money they don't really have. Yeah. So there's, I guess there's an advantage there and, and what, what they wheel out at these events, it's just like famous face after famous face after famous face. You've got Steven Spielberg in there, JJ Abrams. I guess what I'm fascinated about is what sort of value this has to that company in the long, later on, we're going to talk about some of their hardware and some of their gaming 
is there a direct line that can be drawn between having a video streaming service and a wider business? I mean, yeah, I think what what perhaps the most interesting outcome of this uh, most recent event is a couple of things. The TV, and as you said, we're going to talk later about this game subscription that is indicating a bit of a shift for Apple to a more services-based company. So for ages, it's all been about the Apple hardware. You drop a couple of thousand on a laptop or a thousand on an iPhone. And, you know, while they've sold more than 2.2 billion iOS devices since the launch of um, iPhone, that is in 2007. So obviously more, you know, if you're counting laptops and computers before that, but iPhone sales are flagging and this is potentially the beginning of a bit of a sort of a pivot, if I might use that Mm. word. Yes. Drink. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, they, they sell an Apple music subscription already. Uh, A lot of people will pay for an iCloud subscription, which is, you know, the storage for all your photos and things Mm. in the cloud. Uh, You know, They're talking about arcade now. We're talking about Apple TV. There is absolutely that idea that, you know, every company really likes that idea of finding that way to just have that nice baseline of revenue that's always coming in. And in some ways, uh, you know, Apple's never going to be the kind of company that turns around and starts, you know, selling the hardware at a loss just to keep you on their subscription service. But a lot of these subscription services you know, will be available, you know, whether you use Apple product, Apple hardware or not, you know, particularly in the case of like Apple Music. So mm. um, there's lots of these elements that it just seems like it's a bit of the future of Silicon Valley companies is finding these sorts of subscription options. Mm. Yeah, and that baseline for reference, I read somewhere that they are aiming to, by 2020, next year, have uh, their services division reach $50 billion. Is that all? Mm. Um, Just the basics before we move on to the iPhone, it's going to launch, I think, in early November. November 1st. November 1st. That's worldwide? That is, yep. Like in... It was like in 100 countries. Yeah, yeah and right. we are one of those countries. Interesting <laughs> because I think uh, in less than two weeks after that app, Disney Plus will launch worldwide, yeah. uh, including here in Australia. Uh, you mentioned earlier, and I was, it's worth sort of underlining that if you buy a new product, it'll be free. But if you don't, if you just want to sign up with your existing crappy iPhone. No, if you want to sign up with your existing product, I think there is a uh, there is a I think it's like price. $7.99, I think. Yeah, right. Because I think in the US it's four ninety. Yeah, that adds up. Yeah, yeah. All right. Now, yes, we are talking about the uh, big slew of announcements that have come through from Apple. Are they good? Are they underwhelming? In studio, we have audio producer Olivia Rosenman and journalist slash media mogul (laughs) Seamus Byrne from Fightside. Mark Fennell is my name. And this is Download This Show. It is your guide to the week in media, technology and culture. And how do you feel about a phone with three cameras? Seems excessive, but that is just one of the features of the brand new iPhone. Why does it have three cameras? It, I mean, when they show it off on stage, it is the kind of thing where that makes a lot of people go, oh, that, that is actually the camera that I, I want because I like taking pictures. So in this case, it's got a telephoto lens, a normal kind of wide lens, which is what phones have always had, mm. that middle type lens, and then now an ultra wide lens for getting like really expansive sort of shots. And one of the cleverest things in a video mode that they demoed is the idea that you can use all three cameras at once if you're like, say, a video producer, they showed a company basically shooting all three at once and then the selfie camera also switched on, all filming simultaneously completely separate videos so they could then edit videos later as a single take. I mean, that is cool. Yeah. 
Yep, it's cool. It's, like, <laughs> but I, it's but a kind I, of yeah, it's a kind of feature that's for very specific yeah. use cases. Yeah, I mean, and it's interesting to look at the language that they're using around this new phone. With it's it's the iPhone 11 Pro, and so there, you know, this idea of like prosumer that you're you're taking pro photos. I think the camera is one of the biggest um, upgrades there. Uh, you know, what's also great about the camera for Apple is that you're producing you know, all this um, much more content there, much more uh, data, and then you're going to have to spend... Store it somewhere. Yeah, store it somewhere. <laughs> store it somewhere and, and that's where spend. you get your iCloud subscription. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, I feel like I should be humming the circle of life, <laughs> but replacing the word life with lots of money. Fascinating side note here, right? Uh, in With an iCloud subscription, the maximum you can pay for, I think, is two terabytes of storage. Um, if you look at Google's offerings for storage, uh, two terabytes, almost exactly the same price as Apple's. But then after that point, Apple doesn't let you say, I want 10 terabytes or I mm. want more. And after that point where Apple falls out, Google's price jumps through the roof. <laughs> so oh, it's that's like, interesting. So they've, yeah. they've basically gone, this This is the level at which we you get We have to desperate. be competitive here. And <laughs> after that, come to us, come to Papa. But yeah. doesn't, and doesn't Google also, though, give free storage for photos on Google Yeah, devices? and that is a really nice feature on their phones. Yeah. yeah. But mm. So everything that you take will always be backed up no matter what. Uh, look, there's a. it's funny. When you first started talking about the, the, phone, the iPhone, the new iPhone, Olivia, there was like this deep moment of like a deep inhale because I think that is a little bit about how iPhones are viewed now. They are obviously a game-changing product. It's changed everything about mobile communications, but we're now at the 11th iteration well, the 11th primary iteration of it. And there's only so much you can change, right? Well, And it's exactly. hard. It's a little bit hard to get excited about some of this stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what else did they release? Six new colours. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah I, I think, I mean, I for me it feels like for the last few years, cameras is what has driven the upgrade cycle. That's the thing that mm. has convinced people it's worth moving forward because in a lot of ways, yeah, for a long time it was, here is a cool new app that you need a faster phone to be able to do it. Or, you know, yeah. you needed 4G because it was so much better than 3G. We've kind of gone through all those sorts of the tech jumps were a big deal. And I do think we're hitting that point where for a lot of people, the camera is now good enough in that sense where you'll start to say, actually, I can wait three or four years to upgrade my phone without seeing a killer reason to do it. I mean, that being said, portrait mode and and, and its Android equivalents um, has been like, I, I notice when you whip it out and you take a photo in portrait mode, people do go, oh, I totally want to get a new phone for that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've still got the 7, which is pre-portrait mode. Don't you feel like also though, portrait mode, like it's, it's a bit of a cheat. Like it's just that you're guaranteed to get a great picture of a person and we've, you know, we... You're describing so this much. as a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. oh, you always get a good well, photo. I mean, yeah, let me bemoan the loss of, you know, the skills of photography. No, it's not that. It's just that like, you know, the, the better and faster these things get, the more content we produce, the, like, the less we actually look at it. Like it's just, I don't know, it just all seems a bit excessive. Mate, do you need a hug? <laughs> <laughs> you're so dejected. Yeah. No, but I, I do take your point. I do. Yeah. I did just recently go through a project of scanning like 5,000 old photos and actually one thing that it did hit me with was realising that I want to take more photos because when I look back, it's it's kind of the weird photos are the ones that I actually care most about now, not the carefully staged, managed, smile at the camera photos. Mm. So I do feel like it's one of those things where I, I kind of having 
looked at 30 years of my photo history before I got a digital camera, I'm now like, yeah, I want to just take more random photos because it's kind of nice to have them. But then what are you going to do with them? Where are you going to put them? You're going to upload them to iCloud and never yeah. think about them <laughs> exactly. again. Exactly. And pay about, for it for the next decade. It's not about me today. It's about, you know, 70, 80-year-old me looking back and going, oh, that was when I was in that weird place that yeah, time. Yeah, but think about how many photos you will have taken in the next however many years it is till you get to be 70 or 80 and there's just going to be so many like you're not going to be able to find them. There is, a, I think, a really valid conversation to be had about how the ubiquity of digital photography and, and the sort of the automation of the storage of it, whether you're with Apple or Google, whichever one of those you end up with, has the potential, I think, to diminish the specialness of photos. But at the same time, that makes it more convenient. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think perhaps we will start to see more um, apps and services that do a good job of, uh, you know, reminding or bringing, bringing those photos back into your life. So actually one of the only things I really like about Facebook these days is um, the on this day, like, you know, it'll remind you what you're doing five years ago, 10 years ago. It's, it's a nice way to see old content and, and kind of remember things. I will actually say that Google Photos is quite good for that. Google Photos oh, yeah. will like spontaneously produce me animations and, yeah, yeah. and, and, and like different, it's actually quite good at showing you of building nostalgia into the app on a slightly less creepy platform than Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. iPhone does it as well. And you're right. They are kind of, they're, they're, um, they, they go for this nostalgia thing, which is really funny when you, if you've taken like, you know, say you get a car next door and you've got to take photos of mm. the car before you drive. And then Apple's like on this day and here's like on a this montage. Day, you there. rented a car <laughs> and it meant a lot. But look, I th I, and I mean, this is actually one of the biggest things around new iPhones is that next week, everybody who owns an iPhone that is, you know, newer than about five years old can upgrade to the next version of iOS and you get a whole bunch of really good new features, whether you, you know, you don't even need to buy the new phone to get. And one of those is that actually there's a massive upgrade for the Photos app and for a lot of those sorts of ways that it will show highlights, you know, from your kind of photo library. But that's kind of one of the cool things where, yeah, end of next week, no matter what, even, you know, don't worry about buying the new one. Just make sure you run that update and you get a whole bunch of cool new features. Download this show is what you are listening to. It is your guide to the week in media, technology and culture. We're in studio with Seamus Byrne, Livia Roseman, Mark Fennell is my name. And uh, while we are talking about the big behemoths of technology, not that long ago, Apple announced Apple Arcade, which will be their venue for games. And at the same time, we do know that Google's Play Pass is on its way as well. And I'm curious to know how the two things compare. So, yeah, Apple Arcade uh, in Australia is going to be $7, $7.99 a month. Worth pointing out, that's like a family plan, which means, you know, everyone in your family group, which is kind of a technical thing you can set up, you know, will get access to it. And the big focus is that idea of it's games that have no in-app purchases, that have, you know, the whole idea of premium mobile games. So you download it and you can just play it and know that, all those kind of extra things are going to try to nudge you or throw ads at you aren't going to be part of it. Mm. Um, and instead, it's that focus on these kind of juicier games that until now you've often had to pay sort of five or ten bucks to get, um, creating a library of those sorts of games for everyone to try to get into a bit more. Because for the people who like making those games as well, um, there is that difficulty of convincing people to actually buy those kinds of games too. On stage, they sort of had a couple of demos from some of the big developers who were involved um, at the, the iPhone launch. Um, I thought the demos were kind of a little bit underwhelming in the sense that, you know, I mean, one of them was 
uh, Konami showing off kind of this advanced new Frogger for uh, Frogger in Toy Town. You know, as much as, yeah, we're joking about Sonic being old school. It's like, welcome back to Frogger. I just didn't realise how much of like 2019 technology is built on nostalgia. Yeah. Like we were joking about with the photos before, but now the gaming as well, I guess. Everything about media in 2019 feels nostalgic. <laughs> what I thought was hilarious, actually, was that, you know, an Australian company who made Crossy Road, which is essentially an endless Frogger-type game, has had massive worldwide success with that game. And then an official Frogger comes out that from the demo, I'm like, you've learned nothing from what Crossy Road did about what makes your game fun in a mobile context. It's like this, it looks wildly overproduced and doesn't really seem like it plays all that much like Frogger. So I'm really not sure what they're doing. Has anybody brought back Pong, like Pong VR? Yes. Is that a thing? I'm pretty sure you can get Pong VR. Ludicrous. (laughs) Download this show is what you're listening to, your guide to the week in media, technology and culture. And we knew it was coming. Facebook, Livia Roseman have launched or are in the process of launching a dating service. Yay. (laughs) Yes. Um, I mean, they announced this over a year ago Mm. and it's been a very slow rollout, which Facebook uh, promises is because they really, really, really want to get this right. Uh, Not because we have really, really, really bad publicity, almost perennially. (laughs) And had a million uh, privacy fires to put out before then. Mm. Uh, Yeah. So it is an app that is connected to your Facebook mobile app. However, they are at great pain to say that it is separate, um, that you must opt into it and um, you have to be over 18 to use it. So you can populate your profile with photos um, and information from your Facebook and Instagram profiles, which is interesting because many people out there are saying this is actually um, a sneaky way for them to better integrate those two services um, and combine all your data. Which they've been quite resistant to do. Mm. Well, I, I assume Instagram's end of the equation has been resistant to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, do you trust Facebook? I mean, it, what is interesting about this is Facebook is arguably the social platform that knows the most about you. Yeah, yeah precisely. Uh, probably not arguably. Let's just go with definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, hey, in theory, maybe they can help you find your soulmate the best, but do you, do I, would I trust them with my kind of intimate uh, romantic details, uh, proclivity, uh, no. (laughs) So, yeah, I feel like it's the perfect platform. Like this is almost like one of the most positive concepts that Facebook has actually launched lately. You know, the idea that, um, you know, it won't match you with a friend if you're already friends unless you tick a special secret crush box (gasps) and then you both tick it and then, oh, my God. You can get together. Which is funny because the way that they've described this. I think you've reached a pitch this, then that only dogs could hear. <laughs> <laughs> they've described this as your your secret crush list. So, yes, you identify from your friends list the people that you have a secret crush on and if they've also identified you, you'll get the match. I mean, how many people have, like, creepy crushes on a list? Like, the idea that it's a list that I've got, like, ten friends. That, hold on, yeah. hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Most weird. romantic relationships stem out of a friendship. So it's not 100%. that ridiculous. I, su- I suppose, I suppose. But this idea that you've been kind of waiting for the for the right opportunity or the right way to tell this person and the way you're going to tell them is through adding them to your secret crush list. You just described the plot of My Best Friend's Wedding <laughs> and like a thousand <laughs> other rom-coms. And I'm yeah. not saying we should build our romantic lives on Julia Roberts' the song movies. Pina Colada. <laughs> 
It's all about two people trying to cheat on each other and then actually realizing they're cheating on each other with each other. I thought it wow, was thanks, about Wow, thanks, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was an interesting interview I heard with the head of Tinder a couple of months ago where they were actually saying, because for many years, the only way, I think one of the primary ways rather you could log on to Tinder was with your Facebook account. And they were actually saying in recent years, most people that were using Tinder were opting to not do that, to have a separate login to the point yeah. that they were uncomfortable with the idea of connecting those to identities. And I think maybe... You know, when we talk about the idea of it being creepy, that's really what it comes down to. It's the, there's this aspect of my life that is sensitive, uh, that is, that is inherently vulnerable, right? When, you know, and then to connect that to this, this identity that I've probably built up in many cases over, you know, decades, I think, you know, bridging those two things is, is quite scary. Do you think they've done a good job of sort of explaining or, or managing or mitigating that, the fear of that jump? Uh, well, I think it's it's quite ironic that the day before they launched, um, 419 million Facebook users' phone numbers and Facebook IDs were discovered, published online. Um, have they done a good job? I mean, no, I don't think so. I don't think Facebook can get away from this terrible reputation that they have rightly earned over the past sort of three to five years of just not being able to protect people's privacy, not caring uh, about that um, and being and, and using this um, to improve or to, to increase the time spent people on their platform and just their general domination of social media. So. Facebook will often use countries like Australia and New Zealand as test markets where they'll roll out uh, different new features. Fascinatingly, not this time. So this isn't actually available in Australia at the moment. It is available in Colombia, Ecuador, Singapore, Thailand, Vietnam, Argentina. I believe Canada was the Australia equivalent of the test market in this case. Yeah. Because everything else is kind of, yeah, South South American, uh, Southeast Asia, uh, those sorts of countries, and then, yeah, in that mix, uh, Canada. <laughs> I was going to say, the only country on that list outside of Canada that has English as its official language is Singapore. Why are they not going with ma- mostly English-speaking countries this time, do you think? Yeah, look, I've got no idea. Uh, it seems, and I would, you know, the cynical side makes you think, well, these are the sorts of markets where they've had a little kind of less of that you know, Western media spotlight, keeping an eye on what they've been up to, which is where sort of, you know, some of the issues have come from when some of the big, you know, disinformation problems have happened in, you know, in places like Myanmar and different sorts of things. But it is this sensitivity thing that means it seems like, well, it's probably been an interesting, like Singapore, I think is an interesting hub to test this sort of a dating concept Mm. because it's such a commercial hub. I imagine seeing the way in which different friend networks and, you know, preference and interest networks would intersect in a place like Singapore would be a really interesting data set for them to try to learn from when it comes to this sort of a recommendation. What Tinder is with the whole speed dating put on your phone type concept, utterly superficial in the way that people are sort of picking and choosing, I think it is good for that whole sort of dating landscape to have something that is about, you know, okay, Facebook does have too much information, but if you're willing to sign up for this, that is potentially something that can be used to actually find matches with people that do share something in common with you in a kind of weird deep learning way that you wouldn't find through any other system. I guess the other argument is that they have all this data on you and the the narrative that has been spun for the last couple of years and since the 2016 election, since Brexit has been, that data has been used to for negative effect. Whereas if you take that data and you funnel it in a sex direction 
ultimately the hope is that people will come out with more positive stories. So they will be able to mount the argument that that data has brought people together, babies, marriages, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, a whole lot of uh, warm and fuzzies um, around that. And, and I think you're right. They've sort of been out there very much saying, look, we're not putting any advertising in Facebook dating. We're not making any revenue directly out of Facebook dating, which would, um, yes, lend backing to to that as kind of a bit of a motivation for them, for sure. Mm. be fascinating to see what happens if and when it launches in Australia. Uh, guys, very big thank you for coming back on the show. Olivia Roseman, uh, you have a new podcast that's coming out. Yes, soon to be released on September 20th. 24th, you can subscribe in any podcast app or on Spotify now. It's called Brain on Nature and it's about the importance of nature to the human brain. Literally the opposite of this show. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and if you want to sign up to Seamus Burns' uh, newsletter, Biteside, you can do it. Biteside.com. Weekly curated links to all the geeky, important tech news out there. And with that, I shall leave you. My name has been Mark Fennell and thank you for listening to another episode of Download This Show. 